1: We observe today not a victory of party, but a celebration of freedom.
0: Across the UK, online and on DAB. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio.
1: The Human Zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals.
0: Dangerous mid morning debate with the great dictator.
1: The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. It's time to attend you I'm talking to you. On Talk Radio. This
2: mess! Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Do you ever get the feeling that we are lurching from one crisis to another? Did you ever think that people would be so badly represented in Parliament and the government? Do you ever feel like just emigrating to get away from it all? This morning we are greeted with a collection of stories that if you were to be of a nervous disposition might be enough to drive you to drink. And that's got nothing to do with the fact that we open the show uh, with a cocktail. First up, we've got the Cabinet sacking scandal. Private Pike, sorry, uh, Gavin Williamson, has sworn on his own children that he is not guilty of leaking the news about Theresa May's Huawei deal. She says they have compelling evidence that Gav is guilty of sin, and he has admitted to having an 11-minute telephone conversation with the journalist from the Daily Telegraph, who broke the story. I'm still largely underwhelmed by the divulging of this information, but it is starting to look like a bit of a stitch-up. We'll talk to Nick Dubois, a former Tory MP, a former special advisor, of course, to Dominic Raab as well, to find out what goes on inside those hallowed halls of government. Meanwhile, Lord Deben, formerly known as John Selwyn Gummer, you know, the bloke who force-fed his own daughter hamburger in the midst of the mad cow disease scare. He wants us all to change our lives to save the world. No more flying about, no more eating red meat, no more driving in lorries that are powered by anything other than hydrogen. This guy has been a public servant for nearly 50 years and I would say we have paid him in excess of 5 to £10 million over those years. Who on earth does he think he is telling us what to do? 0344 499 Then, of course, there's Fiona Onasanya, the criminal MP who looks to have finally come to the end of the taxpayer-funded gravy train. But will the soon-to-be former Peterborough MP get a payoff? A lot of people are asking that question. We'll find out. 0344 499 Throughout the show today, we're also looking for what your funeral song would be because a new uh, report has come out saying, rather disappointingly, that my way not Huawei, is apparently the big number one for everybody who wants to go to their grave. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio.
1: The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, don't
2: think we're just having fun here on Talk Radio, because we're also asking you uh, for what your favourite funeral song would be, uh, should you pass on, uh, because it turns out that for the first time uh, in the history of funerals, uh, no hymns are included in the top ten songs that people ask for uh, when they are going to meet their maker, whether it's by Cremation, or whether it's by burial, and uh, apparently number one is my way. We've had a couple of good tweets actually. One from a guy who said I wouldn't mind having my way as long as it was the Sid Vicious version. Uh, but of course, you can't play that one on the radio because it's a little bit dirty. Let's talk to Stuart Weir instead, uh, who's our friend up in Scotland, a man who knows who's sitting right in the middle of a climate emergency. We'll find out whether he's decided to take any action. Stuart, a very good morning to you.
3: Yeah, hi mate. I was just playing my funeral there, and I think I'll have Highway to Hell. <laughs>
2: A couple of people have mentioned those, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, but judging by the lot from uh, Extinction Rebellion, we're all going to be passing over pretty soon to the other side because the world's all going to come to an end. I mean, this report has really wound me up this morning, right? The UK must reduce its greenhouse gas emissions to net zero by 2050. Now, I'm not even sure I understand what net zero means, but it seems to involve very little flying, very little driving, very little eating um, and very little use of any kind of um, fuel of any kind.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I know quite a few people within the farming community, and um, you, you, every now and again, you might be at a drinks party or, or an evening out, and someone will start telling them about how much methane their livestock produces. Yes. No. Okay, the person who's actually telling them is producing methane as well just by telling them, but the fact (laughs) of the matter is these guys are actually quite self-conscious about what they're trying to do for the environment for for two reasons. One, they want to still sell meat, and secondly, they know that that, that, uh, the cattle actually has an impact on the environment, so they feed them supplements of the likes of uh, ginger uh, and uh, one or two other things to actually cut down on the methane. Yeah. So, you know, there are a great many people, I mean, I myself, I've gone from running a V8, a a V6 twin turbo. Very good. So so even
2: you're making sacrifices. But I mean, some of this stuff is is nonsensical, right? They now want to, they want to, to plant millions and millions of new trees in an area the size of Yorkshire now there's loads of space up in Scotland um I suppose they could do it up there but there's no mention of who's going to who's going to you know plant all this stuff where are they going to get the money from lorries will need to be powered by hydrogen gas power stations will go and be replaced by hydrogen power I mean who's paying for all this
3: yeah i have I have a report to say that the they basically need to um plant enough trees it would cover the size of uh, an area the size of Wales. Yeah. So why not just go to Wales and plant trees there? You know, I mean, listen, we hear this every now and again that people want to do this and do that and do the next thing. But the fact of the matter is and unless you're actually planning to do this on a on a, a global basis mm. or uh, have other nations, for instance, the Chinese and the Americans actually adhering to these rules, right. it doesn't make a great deal of difference. Well, because of course it doesn't. No, so, I mean, I. What you end up doing is you end up um, having areas or like hot spots throughout the world, mm. quite literally hot spots, that people basically turn a blind eye to these things. And meanwhile, you're living almost a monastic existence. Right. Because you don't go any holidays, you don't eat what you like, you can't drive the cars that you like. Or because somebody somewhere else in the world won't actually take it on board that there is a problem or there is an issue.
2: I mean, look at this. The UK will need to stop using oil, gas and coal. Why? <laughs> I
3: mean, you well, know. Well, we'll never really stop using coal. I think last week was the first time yes. since the Industrial Revolution that we stopped using coal for five consecutive days, even during miner's strikes. Yes. But, but, but again, you know, gas... You know, people will say, "Well, I've cut down on my electricity bill, I've turned down my gas bill, and all the rest of it." But you cannot stop using it. You're still using it, and even the most basic and fundamental. Um You know, industries or basically fundamental uh, parts of the the infrastructure still need electricity and still need gas. You cannot switch everything off.
2: Well, it says also, how about this one? You'll like this one up in the frozen north, right? Consumers should set their thermostats (laughs) to no more than 19 degrees. Oh, how terribly middle class. What if you don't have a thermostat? I mean, you know... (laughs) I don't have a thermostat. I don't measure the the heat. I've got one... In my flat in London, I've got one storage heater that I put on from time to time when it gets a bit cold. But, you know, I'm not using a lot of electricity, but I would be banned from doing that, presumably.
3: Yeah, I mean, listen, the the big thing in all of this is, mate, there is no joined-up thinking because what you'll have is... You're no thinking at all. Exactly. Exactly. There are people who uh, are saying, you know, oh, you drive your car into the city. Mm. That's because come half past 11 at night, there are no trains to where I live. Yes. And, you know, and, and, and this, you know, I, uh, during, during the Commonwealth... Well, you shouldn't Games, be going you know, out. You should,
2: you should go home <laughs> earlier, Stuart.
3: <You> know. <laughs> well, tell the pubs to shut earlier. <laughs> during the Commonwealth Games, there was a, there was a real bit of um, sleight of hand and trickery going on. And all these people throughout the Commonwealth will all go home... To you know, to Canada, to Australia, to various parts in Africa, thinking that Glasgow, Glasgow, is a happening place because the trains run until one in the morning or right. two in the morning. And as soon as it, as soon as the flame went out at the Commonwealth Games, the train <laughs> stopped running. <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, I mean, we've just heard today that the old uh, uh, tube workers are going on strike FA Cup weekend, which is very nice of them. So there'll be no trains at all uh, for the Wolverhampton Wanderers fans and Man United fans to get to Wembley. Fantastic. But what about this Lord Deben guy, right? You're old enough to remember the Selwyn Gummer incident. I mean, this is a guy, right? who was so brazen and disregarding of, of his child's um, you know health and welfare that he actually used her for a political stunt. Now, forget the fact for the moment that he fed her a hamburger and made her eat it in front of a camera. I mean, just putting your daughter through anything like that, not because of the hamburger, but just because it's a brazen and ghastly attempt at publicity for your own political career, is a shocking thing to do. And the fact that he's now telling us, after having shoved a, a hamburger into his daughter's mouth, we shouldn't, shouldn't eat red meat now. I mean, you know, we we'll talk about a talk about flip-flopping on the uh, on on the on the issues.
3: I actually I actually think um Mike that 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 particular um Photo stunt or photo opportunity was actually something expanded upon in Little Britain. Yes. When they had the family, was. <laughs> the family at the garden gate saying everything's fine. Yes. Except that, that poor child was made to eat a, a, a burger. She's, she's probably vegan now or vegetarian yeah. at least um, because the world's media were, were focusing in on her eating a burger. No, listen. Well, do you know, it, doing, it, doing
2: a bit of research on this story this morning, bizarrely, it turns out that one of her friends later on died of mad cow disease.
3: Oh my goodness! It's,
2: which is incredible, you know.
3: <laughs> listen, listen. So, some, some, sometimes you 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 write uh, you write things. I mean, there's the old running newspapers about write the headline and the story will take place. or take care of itself. Yeah. And there's a bit there's a bit of that. But, I mean, I mean, John Selwyn Gummer, as you rightly point out. He he is a a professional politician, yeah. and even when he's been even when people have tried to get rid of him, he's popped up again in another quango, mm. you know, telling us what we should be doing. I ain't listening to this guy, and I, I dare say a great many people are not listening to him either, because if you if you took um, or, no, you took his. Uh, mantra, his menu, for living your life in the future, you wouldn't have a life to live. And I'm sorry, I'm not here that long on this planet, and I intend to live it to the full. I won't be following your guidelines. It might
2: not come as any great surprise to you either, that having checked him out as well, in addition to being uh, the head of the Committee on Climate Change in the House of Lords, right, guess what? He also chairs the sustainability consultancy known as (laughs) Sandcroft International. Uh, He also has a, a, a role with a recycling company called Valpac, uh, he also has a, a job at Globe International, which is the global legislating organisation for a balanced environment. You know, the list goes on and on. So this guy's getting very rich, and so are lots of other people, off the back of this kind of new
3: environmentalism. But this is not just another person who's been put in a position because... Let's have a look at his CV. Look at all the boxes he ticks. They don't necessarily need to be the right boxes. As long as he ticks enough boxes, that confuses people about the real issues. And this is just a classic example of somebody, you know, getting probably paid and weighed in for a a really big salary, telling everyone else and pacificating how everyone else should live their lives while still taking a a bonus here and there for doing everything wrong. Mm.
2: Now, the problem for you as well in this report is that it says that Scotland specifically (laughs) can reach uh, the the, the zero emissions target by 2045. Sooner than the the the, the supposed recommended uh, date of 2050. Now you and I both most most likely are not going to be around at that time.
3: Well, listen, I I do wonder where Scot will, will Scotland be. An independent nation will will be. We'll, we'll, we'll still and...
2: we'll still be trying to leave the EU, I would imagine.
3: Yeah, well, well, Scotland. What what currency will we have? Will we, will we have adopted? Will we still be using pounds groats. or euros or? They or... yeah, love The introduction, the introduction of the cranky. Yeah. That's what I want I want, I want <laughs> five five Jeanette crankies to the pound. Right. No, I mean it's uh, listen. Uh, uh, all all these things again. I I wish people well. But until such times as you have an integrated transport system, um, which means that buses and trains—you know—I'll give you an example: the bus that would take me home if I got off at a certain station yeah. leaves five minutes before the train actually arrives in the station. Right. Now, until such times as people can actually decide to actually run all of these things in time, which like say they can do in Italy yeah. or Germany. Um, you know, I will not be, I I, I be buying into this one because, basically, I cannot, I cannot exist and I cannot perform as a, a working journalist yeah. by relying on public transport. And apart from that... Well, of course you can't. Do well, it doesn't go anywhere.
2: <laughs> I mean, outside of most major cities, you can't use public transport to do anything. And what about this, right? Avoid flying, especially long haul. I've got a son in Los Angeles. I've got a mother and a sister in New York. I've got a daughter in Dubai. What am I supposed to just never see them? You know, don't worry. I'll yeah, just well, never see. Actually, actually, they may they
3: may actually think this is a fantastic policy.
2: <laughs> Very harsh. Listen, they 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 <laughs> ring me when they need <laughs> something. True. I can tell you. <laughs> but you know, it's completely impractical, all of it. And I'm, the thing that, that absolutely sort of banjaxes me, if you like, is that. Why is it we've been, we've been take, taking all this rubbish seriously? You know, these are, um, you know, supposedly intelligent politicians. They're supposed to be, you know, not living in some kind of medieval flat earth society. And yet they believe that we can do all these things and our lives won't be affected.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, uh, listen, I I, I use the phrase monastic XP, you know, existence yeah. earlier on there. I mean, I think too many people have been watching Game of Thrones and think to themselves, <laughs> see, it could work, yeah. you know, it's, uh, and again, until, until the Chinese stop opening power stations uh, an alarming, or coal-fired power stations, um, an alarming rate of something like one every week, and then, and then I think we're, 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 they're actually preaching to the wrong people. Yeah. I mean, I do what I do today because, believe it or not, because the coal industry is no longer there. And in some respects, I'm thankful. In other respects, I'm thinking, you know, why, why, why did we go through the pain and misery? Because somebody came up with a good idea back then that obviously hasn't ever been implemented since then. And the thing so- about
2: coal as well, because I once moved into a house in Wiltshire right, and discovered much to my joy, um, an entire coal bunker um, around the back of the house, which was full of coal. Right now, I'd never really. I, we used to. I think we used to have a fireplace when I was a kid, when very young, but I didn't remember it very well. And I started burning this coal in the uh, in the fireplace, and it was so br- it's brilliant. It's the best thing I've ever
3: seen to heat a house. I bet the small the small children up the chimneys got afraid that. <laughs>
2: my kids didn't mind doing that once in every couple of weeks. It was fine, you know. But that's a, that's the thing,
3: and also, it is this mate. If if you if you burn coal, nothing nothing gives off heat. No, like coal. it's amazing. As it, it, I amazing, and I completely get what they're doing. I mean, and, uh, back when I when I took a job in engineering, I was told, "Don't worry, son, you'll have a job for three hundred years right. because of all the coal." I, I think I think that was slightly optimistic. It was a bit. So, yeah. It was a, a bit, bit like when I
2: told thing. you how long you'd have that job at the mirror. <laughs>
3: No, I, I thought that was just realism. <laughs> Listen, it? You know, it was. It was. But the thing was, back then I was I, I was told that much the same as as being told that yeah we'll we'll have absolutely a carbon footprint of absolute zero mm. by such and such a date. Right. Once you've had enough of these mantras and slogans and 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 mottos and the likes, you 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 start to disbelieve almost immediately because you know the practicalities are that they never make them work. No. Well, how about this? I mean, these
2: are people who can't even make leaving the European Union work. They can't even make the trains work now, right? They can't make a ferry work. They can't actually cancel a contract without paying out bucket loads of money. How about this? is my favourite one. Carbon capture and storage technology. Uh, machines able to suck carbon dioxide out of the air at a large scale will be needed. Well, surely if you've got a machine that can suck carbon dioxide out of the air, you don't need to stop burning carbon, do you?
3: And they're not called cheese. <laughs> Well, you're gonna plant a few billion of them, you know. But the thing, the thing I like, uh, the thing I like are, are the are the um, the the motorsport teams yeah. who go trot around the planet with stickers in their cars saying "Save the environment, we're we're we green this, we're yeah, green that, yeah. we we've got no carbon footprint," jetting all over the world, yeah. and then basically have an accountant doing up the sums to prove that actually they could fly from Birmingham um, to Australia, and the planet wasn't damaged in any way, shape, or form, uh-huh. because they have saved, they've saved up enough uh, carbon brownie points to to justify the trip. Utter rubbish. I know. You know so so you're either in a business or an industry to do certain things and make certain things work, or you're not. And, and a great many people would rather that we, I mean, we don't have very much industry in this country anyway, But one industry we do have is power generation. And I think there's some people that have actually been lying out under the sun for far too long.
2: No, I think you're absolutely right. They've obviously got some kind of damage going on. Stuart, thank you very much indeed. A very entertaining conversation with Stuart Weir. But this is a serious matter. I don't want you all to joke about it. This is ludicrous. It is crazy and it is mad. And worse than that, it's being run by this guy who's uh, shifted at least five million quid out of the public purse in his career as a politician, first in the House of Commons and now in the House of Lords. John... Selwyn Gummer, a man who wants to tell us how we should live. I want to hear from you. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. This is Talk Radio.
0: Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. One hundred percent online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way—an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you.
4: The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.
2: Let's go to the phones before we do anything else, because coming up a little bit later on, we'll be playing some more funeral music, not really funeral music or funereal music, but music that you would like to have played at your funeral. I had some great suggestions going through the whole show today, and we've been playing quite a lot of different tunes, so we'll play some more uh, coming up very shortly. Let's go to the phones and talk to David first, who's in Manchester. Hi, David. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Fine, thanks. Good. What do you want to say?
3: Uh, well, I haven't spoken to you for a long time.
2: No, but, uh, I remember. I remember you well. What do you want to
3: tell us? Um, it's it's a reference to John Selwyn Gummer. Yeah, and um, it was an exchange in Parliament, which was and um, it it, it, it was, the reference was that being attacked by uh, John Selwyn Gummer it was <laughs> like being savaged by that yes. that. I
2: remember that. Yeah, was it Nigel Lawson?
3: It was either Nigel Wilson or...
2: Or Geoffrey Howe. Howe. I think it might have been Geoffrey Howe, actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was quite... I mean, in those days, you had some very substantial people in Parliament, and I know that it's easy to say, you know, the good old days were better than they are now, but it seems as though we don't have anyone like that in Parliament
3: anymore. No, there were some, uh, <laughs> some pretty bad Tories. <laughs> yeah,
2: well, they certainly are. Absolutely right, David. Thanks very much indeed. I do remember... I mean, if you remember that period of time in politics, it was a very kind of... Um, wavy and strange time because john major of course was kind of the de facto um uh, recipient of margaret thatcher's legacy um and he kind of ruined it and spoiled it but had a couple of opportunities uh, because he didn't ruin it and spoil it quite enough so so that he still managed to win the election in 1992 whenever he thought he would lose it let's go to john though who is in spain hello john oh, hi hi oh, how you doing man. You're the last bastion of common sense, as far <laughs> as I'm concerned. Well, I, it's starting to the feel whole, like the, 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 the ever-decreasing iceberg, I have to say. Well, the whole media,
1: I mean, I mean, I don't know, and I think many people know, but I don't, think, I don't think the environmental scientists know, because I don't know if you looked at 30 years back, that United Nations speech. They were predicting the gloom in the year 2000, the Maldives would be underwater, Bangladesh, yeah. 20% of the land would have gone, and all the other crap, which you won't bother to go into, the United Nations environment have now, yesterday, repeated a virtually word-to-word the same speech, which they've gotten totally wrong 30 years ago, and now we're expected to believe it again. I mean, I just don't know anymore, quite honestly, and to me, the fating, the media's fating of this little 16-year-old girl, I mean... Well, what this is what's going thing. to be like. Mental problems in three, when she's out of the limelight completely and completely forgotten, she's going to have mental problems. Well, I think I think it.
2: there's certainly some questions that need to be asked about, you know, how she got to where she is. I mean, she was a, a young woman who went on all sorts of fasts. I mean, she's gone without food for months on end. You know, she's drawn attention to a, a yeah. cause that she obviously cares about. But there's an awful lot of questions about the people around her and how they're letting her get away with it and or encouraging her. And the idea as well, John, I'm with you. I've never trusted the United Nations. I don't think they are a credible body of any kind whatsoever. They haven't been able to to do their jobs in, in war zones when they've had to go there and peace keep. They've done allowed some terrible things to happen. And they are by no means, for me... Uh, an authority on anything? No, but these were the worldwide top
1: scientists. Yeah, uh, making a speech at the United Nations, they've virtually made the same speech again, thirty years later. Given us thirty years to forget that they've virtually everything they predicted. I mean, they said in thirty years, which would bring us up to this date now, that the temperature would have soared by seven degrees. Not yeah. going to be conservative. It just hasn't happened. No, and, of course not. This poor kid. You talk about this poor kid and all these sycophants of politicians and all lapping up to her. I mean, <clears throat> she, I think, she, as you know, her, her sister also maybe has problems. Yeah. But, um,
2: no, it's unbelievable. Like I'll she, tell you what, like let, me, let, let, me, let me just stop you for a second, John, because we've got a clip here, I think, from Margaret Thatcher, bizarrely, talking about how population is the biggest threat to the environment, and this is in 1989 to the UN Assembly. Let's have a listen to this.
4: It is, of course, true that none of us would be here but for the greenhouse effect. It gives us the moist atmosphere which sustains life on earth. We need the greenhouse effect but only in the right proportions. More than anything our environment is threatened by the sheer numbers of people and the plants and animals which go with them. When I was born the world's population was some two billion people. My grandson will grow up in a world of more than six billion people. Put in its bluntest form, the main threat to our environment is more and more people and their activities, the land they cultivate ever more intensively, the forests they cut down and burn, the mountainsides they lay bare, the fossil fuels they burn, the rivers and the seas they pollute. The result is that change in future is likely to be more fundamental and more widespread than anything we have known hitherto.
2: Now that's actually quite sensible John isn't it? Yeah. I mean she's she's
1: no much she's no she's no Mrs. May thank god. Yeah really. I mean it makes you wonder doesn't
2: it what how we how we actually yeah, get I mean, that done. Yeah that seems
1: sounds Sounds. I mean, yeah. I I'm not a skeptic. It's a sense, sound, sensible thing to say. Yeah. No, but, John. Listen. Um, I
2: think. I think we all agree that you know there are conditions in the world which are probably getting worse, which are probably not good for the environment. But what we're not going to see is the end of civilization in seven years' time because we haven't cut our carbon emissions to zero. That's just not going to happen.
1: No, I must admit it's crazy. Anyway, nice to see you're the best, last pastor.
2: Well, listen, I'll, see, I'll, I'll, I'll do my best, John. Thank you very much indeed. Fascinating listening there to Margaret Thatcher talking to the UN Assembly in 1989. Because don't forget, as John says, back then, a senior UN environmental official said that entire nations would be wiped off the face of the earth by rising sea levels if the global warming trend was not reversed by the year 2000. And that was like 11 years later. Of course, that didn't happen. And guess what? We're still here. The Seychelles is still there. Bangladesh is still there. Yes, it floods, but Bangladesh is always flooded. Let's talk to Ian, uh, who's in Hounslow. Hello, Ian. Hello, Mike. How are you doing? To, um, was, I'm doing very well. How are you? Yeah, very well. Very well indeed. I'm not very happy with John Selwyn Gummer, though.
5: <laughs> you know. I was going to do uh, Penny Morden and Gary yes. Williamson, but I could, I'll just say a little bit about the uh, environment. Yeah. It is an emergency, It's no doubt, and, and my fix for it is a bit controversial. All right is that the population is far too high. Yes. And uh, expanding up towards the 10 billion uh, for the planet. What we need to do is get the secret police to put a little something in the water supply to reduce the population. In other words, mildly disconnecting... Well, well,
2: you mean some kind of um, contraceptive uh,
5: scenario? Yeah, just to drop the population. When it gets down to, say, 20 million in Britain... Uh Then, then reconnect it.
2: Well, I, mean, I don't think you can re- reduce the population by two-thirds simply by putting something in the water.
5: <laughs> well, over a few years, of course. Yes. But that's the, that's the thing. Well, I
2: mean, you just heard yeah. Margaret Thatcher saying that, that when she was born, there were two billion people in the entire world. There's now, I think, two billion people in China, isn't there?
5: Yeah. If it expands and expands uncontrolled, what's going to happen is the planet will ruin itself. But I like I like cars as much as you do. We, yeah. we're, not going to, we're not going to give up central heating, cheese... Beef and car. I'm not going to stop flying is, around either. Well, that's right. So they fix, there's got to be a fix somewhere. What I was going to say is about um, the Defence Secretary, number one and two, yes. Gary Williamson and, and uh, Penny Morden. Yeah. Both of them are Mickey Mouse. They, one should be at school, Gary Williamson. He looks like a sick performer and he's got no gravitas. What we need is someone in that. Well, party. he was
2: known as Private Pike, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. I mean, when he, when, he, need... when he was fired yesterday, I just put a tweet out as a stupid boy.
5: <laughs> yeah. What we need is what we need someone with some gravitas, like yeah. Jim Callaghan, like the old days, with big old boys, uh-huh. uh Dennis Cillian the rest. Someone who could walk in the room and they've got some presents. Yeah. I mean, penny more than penny more she doesn't cut it either, you know. Well I don't think any of, be, current, should, any, be, any of our current any of our
2: current crops. She
5: should be at home doing the washing up and all that, you know, really might Yeah, be. yeah.
2: You know, Ian, I mean if you want to say something that is just designed to wind people up, you can do that, but it's a bit of an old trick and it's not that clever. And you know you don't really mean that.
5: Yeah, I know. Yeah, I d I don't like women in a lot of power. You don't like, like women. No, I don't mind women in power, but not, not? At the real, not at the real, not at the real top shelf. Are you married? I mean, well, that's a personal question going to answer, that, right? I mean,
2: You're not going <laughs> to answer it. Well, I'll ask it. I was just asking. hang uh... on
5: a minute, hang on a minute. I mean, we got a woman prime minister. That's the second. You just said one on earlier. That that one. What's up. wrong with that? And then we have got a second one, Mrs. May, is about the, the worst in history. She I is, mean, but she's not the worst in power. history
2: because she's a woman. She's just not very good at her job.
5: I think, I think it be much better if we have. Um, uh, men in powerful positions. Why? Women should... Well, because that's the way things. Uh, what naturally. about David what you... Cameron?
2: He was a well, complete he... plonker.
5: <laughs> he be... He's the one that got it, us into this mess. It's not a system or methodology that is one hundred percent successful. Obviously, you can have you can have very bad leaders, male or female.
2: Well, that's exactly right. That's why my
5: point hey, is. What do what you reckon? What do you reckon on this? Uh... Idea of uh, uh, Penny Morden Then I mean, she really. Got I think president. Penny is a very. <laughs> I
2: think and, Penny is actually a very intelligent woman. I think she's a very decent minister. I don't necessarily think she's prime ministerial material, um, but I think she's as good as they've got in the cabinet. Actually, same with Amber Rudd. I quite like Amber Rudd. I think she's smart. I think yeah. she's got some good ideas. I mean, and I think she's capable. But
5: say the nations in peril, and it's a, it's an emergency where the Russians, the Americans, want to use nuclear weapons. All these systems, uh-huh. all these systems, could become an emergency. Do you really want? Do you really want someone like her with the responsibility to say to the nation of what to do and all that?
2: Somebody like her, meaning what?
5: Well, do you really want her? Do you really want a, a woman like uh, in her place?
2: Well, I don't care whether she's a woman or a man. Or
5: not to, I don't think it matters. Or not to. Or not to use well, no tell to me which
2: man you think would do a better job. That's currently in the cabinet. None of them. <laughs> right. So you don't think we should have a defence secretary at all then?
5: What else they got picked That some would be a bit running, dodgy. They're running, out, they're running out. They're well, running who would you out. pick? I think, I think, I think Bill Cash. Uh, actually, I'd like him. He's got a bit of gravitas. Who? A bit of a, Bill Cash, but he's not in the cabinet. Oh, Bill he's Cash, got to do, me a favor. do me he's a favour. Do me a favour. He's got. He's, got he's
2: old gravitas. Ian. He's old. Don't you like old people? you <laughs> like old people <laughs> yeah. better
5: than women? He's got, he's got gravitas and authority about
2: him. Yeah, something yeah. you haven't got either of, I'm afraid. Cheerio. Ian in Hounslow, thank you very much indeed. Loads more to come. Uh, 0344 499 1000 is the number. This is Talk Radio. More blasted rhetoric from the Banana Republic for people who think capital punishment isn't going
0: nearly far <laughs> enough. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham
1: on Talk Radio.
3: But
6: through it all When there was dark, I thought we
2: weren't going to play any of the obvious ones. This is the number one song that people want at their funeral. I've actually been to funerals where they played this uh, for a couple of people uh, who uh, I was uh, fortunate enough to know. Popular hymns, however, such as The Lord is My Shepherd and Abide With Me have now been completely shunted out of the top ten, instead replaced by things like You Raise Me Up by Westlife. God almighty, imagine how awful that would be. Ed Sheeran's Supermarket Flowers which is pretty dreadful. My way, of course. Uh, How about this from uh, uh, somebody, because I've been asking you for your suggestions, and some of them have been really quite brilliant. This one from David. The funeral march of a marionette, a.k.a. the Alfred Hitchcock Presents theme, played as my coffin, is brought into the church. Quite a lot of you have got something to say, of course, about... about Ian from Hounslow, which I shall uh, read out very shortly. Not very complimentary, especially from some of our female listeners. Lionheart says, of course, if you don't want a conventional funeral, there is always cryogenics man, and it will be nice and cheap because he'll do it out of the goodness of his own heart. Uh, the song would be Working My Way Back to You, Babe, by the Four Seasons. <laughs> that would be good. He's, of course, the fam- famous man from the cryogenics society, which is not a business, you might remember. Uh, let's talk to John Weir, who's an independent funeral director and national spokesman for the Society of Africa allied and independent funeral directors. That's a bit of a mouthful, but John, a very good afternoon to you. Good
7: afternoon, Mike. Very nice. Can I just say, I was national spokesperson. I'm now a spokesperson.
2: Oh, right. Okay. Does that change things then? You're not national anymore.
7: Well, the the society's still national, but uh, someone took over the reins.
2: Oh, okay. Oh, never mind. My my, uh, condolences to you. (laughs) Um, Now tell me, first of all, obviously, what's your funeral song going to be?
7: Limey, it might well. It could well be uh, you raised me up by Westlife. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's um, a
2: bit soppy, isn't it?
7: Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, do you know what? I I suppose it's like a plumber with a dripping tap, Mike. I don't really think about it. <laughs> um,
2: I thought you might give it some thought before you came on the show, though. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't really think about it either. But I kind of thought this morning, how about the end by the doors? Because yeah. it's it's the end, you know. Yeah.
7: But it's interesting, isn't it, that this survey is conducted every year about an, and how trends are changing because popular music now is, as you said earlier in the opening piece, Mike, is yes. way up there.
2: Mm. Somewhere Over the Rainbow, and that's kind of a nice one, isn't it, by Eva Cassidy, which is a beautifully sung version of that. Uh, Robbie Williams' Angels is also kind of in there. Uh, Time to say goodbye, uh, Sarah Brightman and Andrea Bocelli. I mean, what have you found, John? Have you found there is a move away from the more classical kind of hymn-type music?
7: Yeah, just well, just before coming on, I, I just had a look at what music we've got coming up this week. Yeah. Um, and I'll give you just a brief example. The O'Neidin line, Whiskey in the Jar, Mac the Knife, Ness and Dorma, mm. Power of Love, Albatross, You to Me Are Everything, Let Them Come, that's the Millwall theme tune. Right. Um, so, yeah, there, there is a move away. And equally, Mike... The O'Neidin
2: move... line sort of stands out in that, doesn't it?
7: Yeah, it does. I, mean that's, quite, I
2: mean, that's quite old.
7: Yeah, it is. Yeah, I remember watching it years ago. Mm. But as, as the same in the same vein that the choice of music is changing, I think funeral directors across the UK, Mike, are seeing uh, an increase in non-religious funerals. Right. Um, so times are changing.
2: Yeah, and I was going to ask you whether there's any difference now in terms of how people choose to to go. If you like, you know, are, are there more burials and more or more cremations? How's that moving around? Um,
7: Last year in the UK, there were about 620,000 funerals. 75% of those were cremation. OK. Um, so cremation is still the most popular way of uh, disposal. Right.
2: Because I'm assuming, and you could correct me on this if I'm wrong, that we'll sort of run out of space, won't we, to bury people? Because disturbingly, and I don't know if the last time you and I spoke about this, I mentioned it, but I, I disturbingly in Germany... Um, when you be- when you get buried, you only get buried for a set period of time. So you kind of rent the plot, if you like. So depending on how much money you pay, you're either there for 10 years or 20 years or 50 years. And then they bury somebody else there.
7: Yeah, certainly in the UK, our laws would prevent that from happening. But certainly in some European countries, Portugal, they do the same. Yeah. Um, Certainly, once you, you're buried here, you're buried. But there are some London boroughs, Mike, where they haven't got any space whatsoever. Right. Um, and, the, the and what co- do they
2: do then? Because presumably, also, if you're if you're getting buried and you're not having a religious type funeral,
7: um, where do you get buried? Well, you can still be buried in corporation um, cemeteries. You know, cemeteries that are owned by local authorities, as opposed to a churchyard. Okay. Um, But at the moment, the government are looking at ways of creating more space by um, allowing authorities to find graves that haven't been buried in for, say, 100 years, 125 years, exhume the remains that are there, Mm. make the grave deeper, and rebury those remains to allow more funerals to go on top.
2: Well, I understand in Germany what they do is they just kind of rake it over. They sort of dig it up again, and so the remains that were there are still kind of in the ground, if you like, but they're obviously, you know, not inside anything. Um, mm. And then another another coffin with another body, and it gets put in the ground.
7: Yeah, It's I, quite not, weird, that. Yeah, it is. And i I'm I'd certainly as I say that our exhumation laws here would absolutely prevent that.
2: Right, okay. And what about when you get cremated? I've always asked this question of, of people like yourself, John. If you're mm. inside a coffin, which you've paid quite a lot of money for, because they're quite expensive, and your coffin goes through the curtains and into the fire... Yeah. Do you get burned inside the coffin or do you get it you know taken out what, what
7: happens That's a good question because it, there's lots of myths about it Mike yeah once that coffin is received into the crematorium yeah. it is cremated exactly as it's received it's a criminal offense to interfere with it so right. the coffins aren't taken away the fittings aren't taken off it's cremated exactly as is right so um, if
2: it's got sort of like um, brass handles and things on it do they just disappear? they get thrown out
7: presumably? Don't they? No, they don't all, the, all the fittings on a cremation coffin have to be combustible. Oh, do they? Right, everything. Okay. Yeah,
2: I see. All yeah. <clears throat> oh, right, that's interesting because I always wondered about that. Because so so when people are carrying around the ashes of their loved one, it's actually at least half of it's made up of the coffin.
7: Well, the, uh, a cremator uh, cremates at about a thousand degrees centigrade. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned about coffins costing a lot of money, and I say this time and time again, Mike people haven't got to spend a phenomenal amount of money to have a simple, dignified funeral. Mm. And at the end of the day, the coffin, as we've just said, the coffin is cremated.
6: Yeah.
2: Can
7: I ask you a question? Yes. When was the last time you were at a funeral?
2: Um, I haven't been to that many, to be honest. A friend of mine died um, probably... Actually, it's probably more than 10 years ago, actually, mm. it was the last one I went to. But, How I mean, you... people tell me I'm getting to the age now where <laughs> I will go to more funerals than weddings, if you like.
7: But could you put your hand on her, I know it was 10 years ago, yeah. and say you know what sort of coffin it was, whether it was oak, elms, I,
2: I I seem to remember it was quite light-coloured, so yeah. um, uh, it was kind of pale wood, you know?
7: Because... <clears throat> um, it was in uh,
2: Mortlake uh, Crematorium.
7: Yeah, and one of the questions I always say to people, when was the last time you were there, and what sort of coffin was it? Mm. And many people say, oh, I don't know, or it was a light colour or a dark yeah. colour. They don't know whether it was... Uh, a veneered coffin or solid oak um so for personally for cremation i'm all for simplicity in terms of the coffin
2: well i know other people i mean i didn't go to this funeral but um, a friend of of the mother of my children's uh, died sadly very young of cancer Mm. and she wanted to be buried in a sort of ecologically sound way so they they constructed a um, um i think it was a a coffin made out of uh, almost like uh, you know t- t- bark, tree bark, or something like that. Mm. You know,
7: yeah, e- eco coffins, yeah. bamboo, wool. Yeah, um, are, they, are
2: they becoming more popular?
7: Yeah, absolutely, mm. absolutely right. Okay, um, and and the trouble is, Mike, there's so much choice now. Whether it's the the, the music you have, the style of coffin you have, mm. Um and for the best part. People are having to make decisions about something they know little, if anything, about. At a time with anything else in life, you'd say, "Look, I'm, I'm sorry, mate, I can't do this." Yeah. Um, And if you think a wedding is arranged over months and months and months, a funeral, over days. Yes. Yes, you you're
2: absolutely went. right. It's, it's quite terrifying for an awful lot of people. Listen, John, we've got to run. Thank you very much indeed. John We're Independent Funeral Director uh, and Spokesperson, as he says, not National Spokesperson, just Spokesperson for the Society of Allied and Independent Funeral Directors.
0: Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.
2: If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app.